This is the Empowered Educational Conversations with Elena Christina podcast. We are two educators who have worked in over seven different school districts and want to see change. We are here for our school leaders who have the desire to implement radical changes to fight the destructive nature of racism and injustice. This is a safe space for passionate school leaders and aspiring school leaders to listen in as we voice our concerns, laugh at our mistakes, and strategize ways to overcome adversity as educators, all while keeping it real. Join us as we share our experience along with other important voices in the field. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Aline and Christina, where we seek to build community and support one another in this work. While you're there, share this with a friend and colleague and rate and review this podcast so we could get this to even more school leaders who want to do this work. All right, let's get to this episode. Welcome back to the Empowered Educational Conversations podcast with Aline and Christina, episode 65. I'm Aline, co-host of this podcast. I've been in education for over 15 years as a former school counselor and high school assistant principal. I currently coach K-12 school leaders in revolutionizing the K-12 public school system, in addition to being a district counselor and supporting the district's counseling departments. And I'm Christina, the other co-host of this podcast. This is my 19th year in education. I was a former high school English teacher, former assistant principal, co-principal, and site level admin specialist. I'm currently a teacher coach at a K-12 district and a K-12 co-school leader coach with my homie and business partner right here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Hey y'all. So before we get into our episode, let's do our check-in. Christina, tell us how you've been. Well, I am very relaxed right now. Oh, for the most part, for a Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I just came back from a very short weekend, Friday night to Sunday night weekend at my high school besties house in Portland. And there's a total of four of us. We're called the Hagendaz crew or AKA the Hadizis. And we had um, we had a little weekend getaway in Portland. We went shopping. We um, went out to dinner and such. <laughs> and we ended the uh, weekend going to um, a spa. So like it's, you could go there to get spa treatments, but they have different types of spas. Mm-hmm. Does that make mm. sense? Like, and they they even have like a recommended way to oh yeah nice to go about with the spa, and mm-hmm. it, it was very inter- Like it was it was kind of a trip. I, I I it was it definitely got me outside my comfort zone. So I I mean I don't know how to really explain it. Like all I know is that there's this like. They have like three t- three different temperatures of spas. So they have like a mm-hmm. warm one and a hot one. And then they have a hot room and they have a steam room. And it's like any time, 
like what they suggest is like to regulate your temperature. And so you would go and chill in a warm setting. And then like you would immerse yourself in this cold ass Mm -hmm. and you you stay in there as long as you can not too long I counted to 30 seconds because that was all I could take and then you just get out of the pool and just sit there and let your body like react to it before you go back into a warm setting yo that was definitely an experience like when my friend was explaining to me what to do I was like I am not going in no cold ass water But it, yeah, like that, it did, like, I feel good. Like my body feels good. That's nice. And if if y'all know me, I got like hecka ailments. I got like sciatica, um, pinch nerves. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, it's, um, it it feels, it felt great. Nice. That sounds like a lot of fun. And it's okay because I missed my baby. Oh. How are you doing, Aline? I am doing all right. Um today is my little one's fourth birthday. So been really this is the thing. So like I'm excited that it's his birthday. Um and that we're entering a new year of life. But I also was sad because he was extremely sick this entire last week, including the weekend. And I had planned a Legoland trip for us to celebrate the birthday instead of having like a big birthday party. And we weren't able to go because of how sick he was. Mm-hmm. Um, the ho- the entire household ended up like getting sick. I didn't get hit as hard, knock on wood. Um, it's because I think I had this like illness, like this whatever strain of whatever cold or flu it is. I think I had this a couple of months ago. Um, but it's like, it hits hard. So it's and not COVID. It's not COVID. No, we all took a COVID test. None of us tested positive. And, but more than anything, like I'm still trying, like it was still nice to be home all together and not do anything. If that makes sense. Like we weren't rushing somewhere. We weren't you know, um, trying to get through church or like trying to do anything during the weekend, like we were home and just like being slow and like just taking time. And yes, we got bored, but it was good to like, you know, be together and get better. Um, we will be having like pizza and cake tonight. Cause that's like his favorite. Um, but more than anything, I'm also trying to like celebrate me um, cause that's something that like, I've heard from, um, a coach that I met with around, like she had said this and it's, it's said elsewhere. I don't know who to cite for this, but like, if you don't celebrate, you don't integrate. And so, and I think about that a lot too, Christina and like our, like with our work and our accomplishments and how, you know, we didn't fully celebrate us getting our doctorate. We didn't fully celebrate, um, us releasing a book we didn't fully celebrate our or we don't fully celebrate our business anniversaries and so and how sometimes it feels like you know we're not accomplishing much or that we're hard on ourselves because we're not further along quote unquote but it's because 
we're not taking the time to celebrate that time, that work that we've done. Um, and so I, I've taken that into like really consideration and reflecting on what that looks like and what that means. And so today, like, it's not just about celebrating the fourth birthday, but it's also celebrating my like fourth birthday as a mom. I was just going to say that, you know, and like, I think we've heard that, especially like during Mother's Day, like, you know, that day should really just be with, you know, us doing our own thing, like, and, and being celebrated in that way. Um, and so, yeah, like, I made I made sure to get myself a gluten free pizza, because I can't eat the pizza that they eat. But usually I'd be like, Oh, it's fine. I'll eat whatever's in the refrigerator. It's okay. Y'all enjoy your pizza. But I'm like, No, like, this is also celebration for me. And so I made sure to get a gluten-free pizza so that I can enjoy with them and celebrate with them. And that's just something that I'm going to think about moving forward is like how to celebrate so that it is integrated so that I do feel proud and I do feel accomplished in moments that not very many others take the time to do or that, you know, don't have the privilege to celebrate. Um, so that's kind of how I'm feeling. I'm trying to stay positive and um, find ways to celebrate today for sure. Well, yeah, I, you know, I'm glad that you said that because it reminds me of when last year when I went out to dinner with the baby for the baby's birthday and I told the server that it was the baby's birthday, but then she placed the cake in front of me mm -hmm. and she was like, happy birthday. And I was like, no, it's not my birthday. It's my baby's birthday. And she's like, oh, the baby could have some cake too, but she's like, I really wanted to give this piece of cake to you because you're the one, it's your birth day. Like mm -hmm. you're the one who birthed the baby. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Shit, that's right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So happy birth day to mm -hmm. you, Aline. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I I really appreciated that moment and um we'll appreciate today once our work day is done. <laughs> so in our last episode, we broke down our attendance um at the ASCA National Model in Atlanta, um, with the American School Council Association National um or annual conference and talked about what we learned, our experience with it, reflection with it. So if you haven't already, go back and listen to it. Also, it's kind of, you know, our process. Like we are, again, big believers in being lifelong learners, but also especially when it comes to professional development, it's important to build in a process where you as a team unpack and discuss what you've learned and what you want to implement. So again, like this whole idea of like, you know, celebrate, to integrate, I think with PD, you really should debrief to implement. Like you really want to use what you've learned. And so those episodes are one way of us being able to do that with y'all um, to reflect and discuss like, okay, these are the things that we took away. And behind the scenes, thinking about like what we want to implement and like what are some things we want to do with this information and just our overall feelings of the experience. Um, so take a listen to that. This episode, we have an amazing guest, so let's check it out. Yay.
Do you ever find yourself juggling the demands of being a school leader? Are you looking for guidance, support, and a fresh perspective to navigate the challenges in the ever-changing educational landscape? Well, look no further. We Empower Education and Consulting are here to be your partner on this incredible journey. That's right. We offer personalized one-on-one coaching for school leaders along with planning and facilitating school administration team retreats. We understand the unique needs and aspirations of educational professionals like you. Imagine having a dedicated coach by your side, helping you uncover your leadership potential, providing expert advice, and helping you develop strategies to tackle the complex issues that come your way. With Empower Educational Consulting, you'll have a trusted partner who understands the intricacies of your role and is committed to your growth and success. But it's not just about professional development. We are all about creating a comfortable and supportive environment. Our approachable and relatable coaching makes you feel heard, valued, and understood throughout the process. We believe in the power of collaboration. By engaging in one-on-one coaching sessions and booking us to carefully design your admin team retreats, you'll foster a culture of teamwork, communication, and innovation with your school community. And here's the best part. Empower Educational Consulting is committed to customizing services to meet your specific needs. Whether you're seeking guidance on instructional leadership organizational management, or even fostering a positive school culture, we've got you covered. So if you're ready to take your leadership to new heights, grab this opportunity and unlock your full potential with us. Visit visit our website at empowerededucationalconsulting.com and schedule your clarity call today. You can find more information in the show notes. Remember, Great leaders are not born, they are cultivated. Let Empower Educational Consulting, also known as Elena Cristina, to be your catalyst for growth and success. We got you. So in 2012, Mr. Tracy joined the Skyline High School community as an art teacher. And then I want to say for the last seven years at Skyline, he was the Visual and Performing Arts Pathway, aka VAPA Director. Yes. Then, as of 2022, Mr. Jamie Tracy is a District CTE Coach for Arts, Media, and Entertainment Pathways. So look, Alina and I go eleven year, go back 11 years with Mr. Tracy. Um, it was an absolute pleasure working with Mr. Tracy. Okay, I need to stop calling him Mr. Tracy, but that's how we called each other, like, at, yeah. at school. So my bad, y'all. Jamie? Yeah. So it was an ab- absolute pleasure working with Jamie. He truly cared for the Skyline community. He advocated for his students, his pa- his classroom students, his entire Pathways student community, and for his art department and the VAPA Pathway. But before we get into the first question, I have to share a short story. So um, during my last two years as a Skyline assistant principal, Jamie and I were co-club sponsors for the Gay Straight Alliance Club. 
So I remember it was LGBTQ plus awareness week. So for the entire week, the GSA club, uh, we hosted an event um, in Mr. Tracy's classroom during lunchtime. So one of those days was the history of Vogue dancing. So the first 10, 15 minutes of the lunch period, um, Ms. Uh, Dr Jamie gave us a, a brief history of voguing, which is a highly stylized form of dance, mainly created by Black and Latino LGBTQ communities. But then it tends to be always associated and credited to Banjana. So after the history lesson, I wasn't really expecting this, but Jamie cleared the desks and turned on music and created a voguing runway. So, <laughs> and so there we go. Mr. Tracy starts uh, voguing. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so dope. And then all of a sudden I'm called to the path. I'm, I'm, I'm called to do my thing. And I didn't want to, cause I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. But then, you know, the students started cheering me on and the teachers that were there were like, come on, just go do it. So look, I, I did my thing. Yeah. And lo and behold, I was wearing dress pants that were just a little bit too tight that day. <laughs> um, I, I of course pulled a muscle because I, I I did have a pinched nerve back then. So I, I did pull a muscle. And I also ripped my pants. And <laughs> <laughs> And so I was like, oh man, thank goodness I wear long uh, blouses and um, blazers. So no one saw that part, but I, but yes, that, that was a lot of fun. And so, you know, we, we had a lot of good times, Jamie. I, I yes, really, we did. I really enjoyed being a co-sponsor for that club. Um, you know, thank you for that experience. Um, to support my stu students in a different capacity. And yeah. I, I had students in there um, who were my former English students when I taught uh, ninth grade English. And so I, I just saw a lot of a, a different side of them. And I, I think the students also saw a different side of me. And yes, it, a lot of, we created this um, intimate community and the, yeah. the students felt loved and safe there. So yes, thank you for, for that. But with that said, welcome, Jamie Tracy. Thank you for joining thank us. Thank you. This is awesome. Yes, yeah, I'm so happy to be here. And, and just to say a tiny little bit about, you know, what it meant to me to work with you at Skyline. Um, you're awesome ally for the LGBT community. I'm an out proud gay male teacher, which I used to be really scared to be a teacher because I was gay and that, you know, but having administrators like you, it just like was so much easier. And I just remember my first few years at Skyline being really, really tough. And, um, you know, sometimes like, and I just remember you being such a wonderful safe space to come and talk to. And I remember one day when um, I just was, the ninth graders were really giving me the blues and I came to your office and you just were like, well, let's just make a list of the top 10 students that are <laughs> driving you crazy the most. And they'll just work through it. And then we just like, and you helped me like contact their families and and I just felt like you really made a difference of me sticking with it because that first year, 
was really, really tough. It kicked my butt in a lot of ways. And, and because of your, you know, support, I stuck with it. I was like, oh, there, you know, there, it does feel overwhelming and it does feel like there's a ton of things I can't solve right away, but there's, you know, I've got somebody on my side that's going to support me through it and it's okay. So yeah, that meant a lot to me. Thank you. Yeah. Well, with that said, you know, before you tell us what you are currently up to now, please yeah. share your educational journey and you could go as far back as you want from preschool years if you want, or you could just go straight into um, post-secondary. We just ask that you choose a starting point to where you knew that that is what was the catalyst to get to where you are today. Yeah. Well, I would start with sharing that my parents are both in education or they both were in education as well. My mom was a special ed teacher um, in public school and my dad was a music therapist at a psychiatric hospital. So I kind of always knew that the arts and helping professions were in my future. And, um, and they made a lot of sacrifices for me to go to this pretty amazing school um, first grade through eighth grade called Kazoo School in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And it was a private school and my parents paid for it by like volunteering um, at all these different events with the school. Um, so I, you know, think back on that, like that was a huge um, sacrifice that they made. And looking back on that school, it was really project-based learning. Um, and it, it was an amazing education. It was a small school right near this nature preserve. So I got to be outside a lot. And um, I wanna give a shout out to one of my teachers from that school, Anna Marovich, who taught me to write. I still love to write and provided creative space. Um, I'm still in touch with almost all my teachers, by the way. That's why I knew I wanted to be a teacher. Like I, I'm in touch with my PE teacher, Karen Anderson. I mean, like all my teachers throughout like, the years like I I'm in touch with all of them through social media and it was it was such a great experience there and it also kazoo school taught me to think critically and just and to know my own worth um my parents the one kind of bad call that they would agree that they made in my education decisions was they sent me to catholic school for ninth and tenth grade and that was kind of a disaster um because I, you know, I was already an independent thinker and I was already um, knew my own worth and I knew how to stand up for myself. And um, the Catholic school was a really like just hostile environment for me as, um, you know, a young gay boy and in Michigan in the nineties. And it was really, really bad. Um, and I, but I stood up for myself and I, you know, stood up for other people that I, I felt were being um, really treated wrong and, and just like struggle. And I, I was asked to not come back to that school, but I didn't want to go back anyway. So then I transferred to the big uh, public school and I joined a program that's very much like what we have now in California with career tech ed. And it was called Education for Employment. So that was like a kind of a small school within the bigger high school in Kalamazoo. And um, I had a phenomenal um, arts teacher and graphic design teacher named Candace Brown and uh, starting in 11th grade. And I stuck with her for 12th grade too. 
And she showed me that I could have a career in the arts and that I could be an artist. And um, so, and I remember just seeing like, you know, that kind of program, it was like her classroom was like, had the computer lab and she had her own copy machine. I'm like, oh, wow, there's something about this program that's like extra funded and it's like really great and it helps you get jobs. And, and so she was the one who encouraged me to go to get my bachelor's of fine arts at University of Michigan. Um, and, and then I, you know, be, wanted to commit my life to being a visual artist. And so even before I became an educator, I knew that education was something that like was in my future, but I was like, I'm gonna be a fine artist. I'm gonna be a practicing artist. So I got like my foundations really down of like what it means to be like a disciplined artist who goes into the studio and manages their own projects and kind of looks for opportunities. Um, and then I moved out to California in 2004 and I um, went to decide to go to grad school at California College of the Arts. And at that point, I was already getting into teaching. Um, I was working at Berkeley High School as a teaching artist. Um, shout out to my mentor there, Lucinda Daly. Um, I was worked in her photo classroom. I've had so many phenomenal teachers that are my mentors. That's why I always try to shout them out. Like I just, I just still stand on you know, their shoulders in so many ways. And, um, and so those two years while I was in grad school, I got a taste of teaching high school. And I always kind of thought like, oh, the only way to really be a practicing artist and teach is if you teach college. And so I always felt like I was, you know, working towards teaching at college, but just kind of had to settle for high school. But I realized like thinking back on my own pretty traumatic experience in high school um, and just what and how much like the arts really saved me and how much having allies saved me and um, and that arts for me it was like a survival tool in high school um, that high school is a pretty magical age and I I just really love um, it's like so powerful to me to not only see the kids in like the GSA but just kids in Oakland just living their truths and being able to have their gender expression the way however they want and their cultural expression and their um, who, you know, loving who they want to love and just seeing like you know we have a, a long ways to go and accepting students and all that they bring to us but um, it's we've come a long way and I really love being around high school students for that and that and that the arts I'll talk more about that later but just like the arts is just like a real safe space for you to show up as your full, full self. And that's really, you know, why, why I love teaching high school and being in that space. And so I started my high school teaching career in a charter school, Unity High School for six years. And um, I was the only art teacher and that was like, the kids were amazing, but I was a little bit lonely. Like I wanted to have an art program, but I was the only art teacher. So when the opportunity came to teach at Skyline in 2012, I um, was so excited because I just saw like so much potential. And that was when I first started to like have this curiosity about, you know, pathways and career tech ed. And I, I would like, I remember there, I have this really vivid memory of um, Dr. Akatuba at Skyline throwing out like all these 
cardboard boxes from all these brand new computers she got. And I, I trash picked all her boxes to use as art supplies. And I, at the time I just kind of chuckled like, oh, it's so typical, like the science pathway gets new computers and we get new cardboard and for the arts. <laughs> but I was like, but then I was like, wait, I need to stop having this scarcity mindset about the arts. What do I need to do to create an art pathway? because there's so many talented art kids and actually in the Bay Area, there's so many art career opportunities. So um, at, while at Skyline, I'm like really, really proud to have been part of like the, you know, the measure end design and like the pathway envisioning for the visual performing arts pathway. And um, me and a drama teacher who's still at Skyline, Awele Makiba, we like had this vision of creating this visual and performing arts pathway that, um, gave students the opportunity to have interdisciplinary arts experiences and really move between mediums um, in in the way that you really do as a professional artist and not um, not just have one um, form of artistic expression. And um, yeah, just so proud of, of what we created um, with the visual performing arts. And it was like literally game changing to, you know, to get that in influx of funding from becoming a uh you know a link learning pathway it's just you know you went from having like a budget of like two hundred dollars for the whole school year to having like twenty thousand or something like that so it just like what what we were able to open up um was really exciting and that brings us to now i um can i ask know, a and, question yeah okay. yeah so you know for our listeners out there um, could you just tell us about the pathway? Um, yeah. Just like a brief description and just like maybe even start with like what exactly is a pathway and yeah. like how does that benefit the students? And then specifically about the pathway you practically started at Skyline. Yeah, yeah. So a pathway is a way for there to be like a smaller school within a bigger high school like Skyline. If you know, like 1800 students, there's like maybe a smaller pathway of like, you know, 300 or 400 students. And it's, you know, it's a cohort, it's a cohorted um, small learning community. So when students opt into it in 10th grade, they'll have like the same English class together, same social studies, same art class. And um, so they have that small community. And then they also would have like a guidance counselor connected to their pathway. So it's this like opportunity to be seen for something that you are personally interested in as a student. So like I'm interested in the arts, I'm gonna be part of the art pathway. And and then also just like have more um, comprehensive supports around you on your journey through high school. So it's it. what I love about the pathway model is it gives kids some agency over their high school education. And it gives them, you know, a way to like make some choices early on about what they want to dive deeper into and not just have like a one size fits all um, high school experience. And um, and what it offers on a practical level is just access to resources that elective art teachers just never unfortunately have. And I know we're going to talk a lot about equity today. And, and that's like a real problem still that we have in, in our schools is that you know, some teachers get a lot, some teachers get a little and, and it filters down to the kids. And, and now in my new role where I'm in a lot of classrooms, it's just like, 
heartbreaking to see like the teachers that have the grant money and versus the teachers that are sp spending out of their own pocket to like get experiences for their students. So it's a really cool model, but um, it unfortunately does, uh, does cause um, funding inequities in schools because like the, you know, the pathway classes, we know they get the cool field trips and they get the cool equipment and the cool speakers and then and then you have like oftentimes um, newer teachers teaching electives that aren't supported by the um, the pathway funding and so you know there's it's it's not a perfect system but um, you know it's it's also it's there's a lot of creative things you can do to like support those teachers that aren't like part of the cohort um, group um, which we were able to do at Skyline and. Um, I just became really fascinated when, you know, and working with the pathway, I became really fascinated with like the program that students travel through. So there's like an introductory course, a concentrator course, and a capstone course. And for listeners that might not um, work in high schools, a capstone is like that senior project that you work towards that's going to be something that um, combines research and civic action and like a project that you do through the lens of your pathways theme. Um, so I just really was of course involved in designing our own pathway at Skyline and what was our program gonna be And Okay, students are gonna take intro to visual commercial art or they're gonna take intro to drama. Okay, then they could do illustration or they could do professional drama. And so like, you know, giving them these choices and then like, okay, what would they do in English and how does that connect? And um, and so I started also working with CSU East Bay and Mills College and San Francisco State. And for 10 years at Skyline, I had at least one student teacher every year and sometimes multiple student teachers. So my little classroom 26 at Skyline was its own little like art teacher training institute. And I'm like really happy to share that like seven of those folks that, you know, worked with me as a student teacher are OUSD arts teachers now. And two of them like are CTE art teachers at Skyline. So, you know, it's like, I got, I just got really fascinated by the art of becoming a teacher as well as like the art of teaching art to kids. And um, so it just was like a natural next step for me to go into this realm of like instructional coaching. Well, no, thank you for, um, you know, just thank you for all that contextual information because yeah. yes, not all of our listeners are, um, are in the secondary world. And then actually, you know, Aline and I, we coach some school leaders who don't have pathways or yeah. your school site. So yeah, thank you for, um, clarifying all of that, but yeah. you know, I just want to say this, <clears throat> like, when we think of school leaders, I feel like we just immediately think of like the admin team, the, the principal, the assistant principals, vice principal deans, but there are many types of school leaders and you were definitely, you, you are, you were a school leader at Skyline High School. And like, I clearly remember, I think I was an AP at that time mm -hmm. when you were spearheading the whole VAPA pathway creation. Yeah. Um, and so 
I, I believe it was like you, Miss Hunter and Miss James, like you guys were yeah. like new yeah. ones that were really, really pushing for it, but mainly, but mainly you. Um, and it's what I really appreciate about you, Jamie, is that like you went to Skyline as an art teacher mm -hmm. and you were curious, you were observant, you noticed things and instead of just like carrying on and maintaining the status quo, you're like, hell nah, like, okay, like I'm noticing these pathways, they got all these new things and their kids are going on a field trip, like, you know, and then like you learn from like the admin that we're not, we're, we're not paying for that. Like they're, they got some grants, mm -hmm. right? From their mm -hmm. pathway. So you're just like, wait a second. Well, if that's the case, I want to start a pathway. Yeah, and you totally like led that. And, you know, that's something that you should be proud of that that is your legacy. And like, even though you're not there, like, it's still it's still happening. And it, it's still yeah. building and getting stronger. And it's, it's just wonderful to see. And it, it was really fun. I mean, back, I think when you were first starting the pathway, Aline was the one who was mainly in charge of the master schedule. So I, yes, I remember that. So you two at that point <clears throat> were in more in um, collaboration with each other. Yes. Yes. Um, and then, yes. So there was that piece. And then my one, year as the co-principal um mm -hmm. we, I got to unfortunately it, I was just too overwhelmed to be the co um club advisor mm -hmm. here, but um I did get to talk to you a lot because um, yeah I was in charge of the master's schedule during that time yeah Which, by the way shout out to you like look I, I really tried to be inclusive and like I you know get different perspectives and meet with all the directors and um, department chairs and other school leaders to get input. What I really appreciate about you, Jamie, is that yes, you are advocating for your pathway. Yes, we did not see, you know, that didn't mean that we agreed on everything and you got like everything on your wish list. And I, you know, it's like, I, I try to hear you out. But like you were still so professional and respectful about it. Like y'all, y'all could be advocates, but mm -hmm. and like vouch for your pathway and all that, or department. You could be assertive, but you don't have to be mean. <laughs> so I just have to put that out there because, like, I just remember there was some people who would just like come inside my office like a bat out of hell and like they would be shouting at me and I'm like okay well you shouting at me is not going to intimidate me like I'm I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do but no I just really appreciated you like it was I mean yes like you knew how to advocate for your team and like not like, okay, here's my wish list and this is how it's going to be. Like you explained like 
here, here are my ideas. Here's my department's wish list. Here are the reasons why you should mm-hmm. really consider it. It's like, you know, going back to the vision and mission of what, mm-hmm. what we are at Skyline. Like this is this is how it supports that. So it's yeah. like, you know, that I I that's what I remember about you. And I, I really, really appreciate that. Well, thank you. And it was it was just I felt like really exciting to like have a seat at the table and to have your time, you know, have the time of day to like be able to talk about that stuff. And and you do have to I'm I'm now in conversations at other schools when when something's not working and and teachers want to change the pathway and the or, you know, there's the student interest isn't there and you have to make some changes and. you know, the adults in the room have to trust each other and they have to respect each other. And like, that's, that's the part that like, you know, I always try to lead with It's like the, the relationships have to be solid. Um, and it is, it is just such vulnerable and difficult and slow work to make like changes in a school and you're not going to get everything that you think is right. And, um, cause there's, you know, there's always, context that we we don't we're not aware of especially like when you're in the classroom like we we think that we we can imagine what it what would be better or what would be different but we don't have the right we don't have the context um and i see that a lot more now that i'm like you know meeting with administrators and and seeing different schools and um it just takes so much patience and that and that's like one of the things i like try to instill in the teachers i work with is like you know, you, you want to be a strong advocate, you want to be able to like, hold your hold your administration accountable and all that stuff. But like, change is is also it it takes like a lot of stamina, like it's it's slow, but it will happen if you like, really stick with it. And you just like take your little victories as they come. Um, Because it's not going to be good for the kids if we like, totally burn the school down. (laughs) So like, we have to you know, we have yeah. to, <laughs> so we have to, you know, work within the timelines that we, you know, that we take with that we can. So right. we're, we're a team. Like, yeah, there's like, you know, there's teachers and then there's the admin team. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like we are a team. We, we are yeah. for the community. And so but so, yes, it, it was a yeah. pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> with that said, so. You already touched on like what you're doing now. Yeah. Um, like, could you expand on that by telling us how, you know, how equity and educational justice plays a role in your current position? Yeah. Well, first I thought I would just describe a little bit about like the different types of coaches that there are in OUSD because sure. whenever, yeah, yes, I, yes, yes. whenever I explain my role even to other principals i work with they don't understand it at first so and it took me a while to understand it so oakland unified has um new teacher coaches as you know well um and and instructional coaches and then they also have pathway coaches and so i'm an instructional coach that works at multiple high schools so i work at seven different high schools um sometimes even like kind of consult with even more than that um but i'm only focused on the arts media entertainment and fashion which is like another sector 
Um, and then the pathway coaches are site based and they really look at this and support the system of the pathway that we were describing where there's like an intro and a concentrator and a capstone and there's all these cohorts and there's these interdisciplinary collaboration teams. So the pathway coach and the CTE coaches, they work together a lot, but they have a really different role um, in the schools. So I kind of do drop-in support and I've, I've set up my schedule where I have like a different day. Like I go to Skyline on Tuesdays now and I stay most of the day. And a lot of, I spend a lot of my time in the classroom. And um, one of the things that I've really enjoyed about my job is rather than it being like forced coaching for like a teacher who's struggling, I, the best advice I got from another coach was like, just prove myself to be a useful person. And so I'll just show up a lot, show up to places um, to observe, show up to places to help, to co-teach. Um, last week, I had this beautiful experience helping out at um, like a, an arts day that they had at Oakland High and I taught a mural workshop for the day. Um, but then I also do one-on-one -on -one coaching with teachers, particularly new CTE teachers. And then I also like just help support um, collaboration between teachers and community partners. And I want to get into the equity piece. Um, I realized I needed to kind of check my own assumptions about how one enters into the profession of being a teacher, because I always thought in my head that there's a typical way you do it. You go to college, you get your bachelor's degree, and then you get your single subject credential or your multiple subject. And then if you want to do other things, you do that at the end. But career tech ed offers this entry point into the teaching profession that could potentially look very different. And in my head, I was saying like, oh, there's all these people that are doing it like a really atypical way. And it's so weird. And I, but I was like, well, why do I think that that's atypical? Because, um, you know, with CTE, it really values your industry experience. And that's why I'm a CTE teacher is I have, I'm a practicing artist. And so folks come into teaching with uh, maybe their college journey finished or maybe their college journey is not finished. Like it's possible to become a CTE teacher with only community college, but you have like a wealth of industry knowledge and maybe you, you know, had a band and you recorded music. So you're gonna teach audio recording and then you're able to get a credential through that. And, and I just started in just the last few weeks thinking like, well, why do I think that that's like an, a different, an atypical way to go? Or in my, maybe even in my mind, I was thinking it was a lesser way to go, but um, it's just a different way to go. And it's like, you know, that you kind of arrive at your, at your readiness to teach through your years of working in your field. And then you kind of get the classroom management and the pedagogy after, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. And it's actually kind of a cool thing. And as far as like how that relates to equity is we know we have a long way to go in making our teaching staff reflect the communities we serve. Like we have a really long way to go. And in the arts, like we, for the longest time, you would just see like these art departments of people that look like me, all white teachers. And um, I will say CTE, um, because it offers a different multiple entry points for folks that um, are working and maybe, um, you know, just had a different 
education path as far as college goes, it's it really is doing a lot to make our classrooms like you know just have represent represent the the city that we live in and represent like our students and represent different races and cultures and experiences and um and i realized like that's that's part of link learning and why link learning is so great and part of cte is that it's like helping our our classrooms um become um, you know, just get those teachers in the door in a different way, because we we both know there are so many hurdles to become a teacher, like, oh, my God, like, you know, not only, like, do you have to, like, go to school for more years, but you have to pay for it, and maybe take out student loans, and it just, it shuts a lot of people out of the profession, but, um, you know, like, I'm really proud that, like, OUSD, like, pays for teachers to get their CTE credential, Mm -hmm. And you can do it while you're working. So you don't have to like have be a student teacher and work for a whole year without pay, which is just nuts that we expect teachers to do that when they start out. So that's like, that's kind of why I feel like really passionate about like the CTE piece in, in particular, because it's like, it's really opening up the arts and like arts, media, entertainment. And it's getting teachers in the classroom that we really need, like folks that have been musicians and artists and recording um, engineers and just all these like great things that kids need to learn about. And it's, you know, someone that just went to get a bachelor's degree and then straight into the classroom, they're not going to necessarily have the right expertise. And it is better to have someone that's worked in the industry. No, absolutely. And, you know, a big part of equity is particularly in education is providing those opportunities, choice, exposure yes. To, yes. Our, to our students. And with, the, with CTE or just specifically with VAPA, with visual and performing arts, like that is, that is like, what, okay, let me back up. Because when we think of pathways, right, or like a mm -hmm. typical uh, secondary program, right, well, we think of STEM, we think of computers, we think of, what's another one? Um, I mean, shout out to Green Academy and yeah, Education yeah. Academy, which I was a part of when I was, yeah. when I was a student at Skyline. So shout out to yeah. Education Academy, which is now known yeah. as the it's clear pathway so like that that's like the stereotypical piece but yo like vapa the visual and performing arts like like that pathway it just brings out like the the talent and beauty of of oakland and let's be real like what i like look at our culture like look at our mm -hmm. society like i mean mm -hmm. Like what brings us happiness is music and art and all that. I mean, it's it's surrounding us. And I feel like with VAPA, it it really puts it on the map because yes. we, we we all know that you know when there's budget cuts, we all know what usually goes what usually gets cut cut out first. Mm -hmm. 
right? historically, but now like we've got, <laughs> now that we have like these systems in place in these academies and everything, it's like, y'all, we're 25% of the school. You can't cut our budget. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I, when I think about what we have gone through with, you know, sheltering in place and, and isolation from society, like arts was a experiencing art and consuming art was like a survival thing for us as humanity. Like if it wasn't for all these great shows and movies and, um, you know, music, like, you know, right, 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 right. It's the, so there's that piece, but like, as an artist, like, art arts as survival like i think that's like a huge um equity piece too it's like giving space for um you know your your existence on earth is valid and we're you're going to make your mark on this earth and it's like really hard to ignore a community when they have murals and they have um performances and they have um you know, music and, and like when you have that visibility and that sound um, from the arts, it's, it's just, it's your legacy as a culture. And it's like, we create, and I always try to impart that upon students. Like we would literally would not have culture if it wasn't for art. You are the creators of culture. Like you're making cultural artifacts, you're making 100%. cultural songs. Yeah. So it is, it is not an elective. It is not something that can just be like cut when the budget is tight. It's like, it's really fundamental. And it's, it's, you know, when I, when I teach drawing, like, you know, the talk, speaking of like the fundamental aspect of what we do, it's like, it's a visual language and music is an audio auditory language. Like, so it's, it's that, you know, core to humanity. And when I think about like, what I love about what I do and, and why I'm in arts, media, entertainment, it's, you know, I do a lot of project-based learning, but it's not just like arts are projects. That's, you know, that's what's great about them. But one of the, like, the core tenets of project-based learning is student voice and choice. And you taught, you touched a little bit on that, but like the idea that you can, like good, good arts education, like offers up like a prompt or an interesting frame to guide and get the students thinking, but then every student in the classroom solves that creative problem in a different way. And that's where the student voice and choice comes in. And um, like a lot of times outsiders looking in when they ask me about art education, there's like an assumption that we're just like, oh, we teach like portraits and then we teach perspective drawing and then we teach like printmaking and then we teach collage. And yeah, there, that is a way to teach, like where you are just kind of leading like, okay, it's, it's kind of like with writing, it would be like, okay, it's the poetry unit now. <laughs> but, um, but really, it's kind of a more a simple way to teach art where you just are kind of leading with the media. But instead, what if you kind of lead with the inquiry? And that's where like the connection of arts and research is really interesting as a, like an equity um, tool is like thinking of instead of like how to make art, but like, well, why do we make art and what do we want to say with our art? And, and um, that how, and how can it impact the community? Yeah. And how can it impact the community? And then all of a sudden, once you have like a really compelling reason of why you're doing what you're doing, then you figure out like, okay, if I'm going to really make this um, message clear, I need to make a documentary film. So I need to make, I need to figure out how to 
you know, set up my camera. I need to figure out my lighting. I need to figure out who's going to be on my production team, who are going to be the people I interview. And so that kind of stuff, it's like, if you do a good job as a teacher of like giving the kids that like inquiry frame, then they, then they like want to learn the tools that in order to answer their, their guiding question. And so that's like, a really interesting part of, of what I'm seeing teachers do. Like, you know, not just like the documentary film unit, but it's like, no, let's think of some questions that we can ask ourselves and our community that can really be best answered through film or through drama performance or visual art. Well, thank you. you Yeah. You know what? I, I love, this um, this conversation because it, it it totally has some instructional practices up in it. Like I uh, like how you define stuff. We got direct instruction, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the guided and like the whole applied piece and like just yeah. really like breaking it down for us and like letting us see art like from a different perspective. So yeah. um, and I do want to close it out like this, yeah. like. You're right. Art, I, we should, I feel like we should stop calling art an elective. I mean, it's, it, it, it is, it is essential. It is part of the core curriculum. And um, one of my last schools where I was an administrator, we were an an IB NYP school, Mm -hmm. Um, like a for real, for real one, not yeah. the skyline version mm-hmm. um, but um and when our our website we said these are the core classes the core classes um was your your typical ones where it said like math english science social studies and y'all it was also um part of the core was art and physical education that's cool. The only classes that we listed under um, elective was like our AVID courses. Um, oh, and what else? Uh, my bad. My core was also the um, a, a world language course. Oh, so great. Because yeah. that in many, you know, that's also kind of considered an elective, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, those were, we had like essential eight core classes. And the way that they were presented, because usually when people write out the core classes, they always put like English and math and all that up top. All of that was put in like in alphabetical order because we're just like, there's no order of importance. All of these classes are core. All of these classes are essential. So, yes. So with that said, um, I, you know, you dropped a lot of gems here. Thank and I feel, I feel like we could go on and on and on. Yes, I know we could. <laughs> but you get a, me started. Yeah. It's a Sunday <laughs> evening, y'all. It's a yes, Sunday yes. evening. So with that said, Jamie, like, could you let us know, like, what, what do you do for self-care? Well, swimming. Swimming. I'm, I, I've been a swimmer since I was a kid. I grew up doing um, swim team and, um, I'd wanted to go to the Olympics for swimming, but that didn't work out. And then, but now I'm like a master swimmer and that's like, 
you know, I'm a pretty high stress, high strung person naturally. And I need that like pretty intense thing, the act of swimming to kind of like get the stress out. Um, and then also for me, you know, doing my art, I have a really dedicated art practice um, almost every day after work. I'm in my art studio. Um, so that, yeah, those two things are my self-care. Well, you need to let Alina and I know, like, if you have, like, an art show. I do. Yeah, I have a show opening on March 25th in Oakland at Gearbox Gallery. And actually, this painting behind me is one of the pieces that will be featured. Um, so, yeah, so I've got some, I've got some stuff coming up right, right now in you Oakland. Said, you said art box? Gearbox. Gearbox. Oh, gear, gearbox. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You, you got to post that on your social media. I will. That, yeah. That's yeah, how we'll will. remember. <laughs> yes. For sure. Well, thank you. Well, we have one last question. Okay. I feel like you would be able to definitely relate to this or understand where this uh, question came from. So mm -hmm. we've been asking all of our guests to wrap up this conversation by telling us a song that gets you up the hill so yes. literally and figuratively um and you know as you know um skyline high school is way up that hill and yep. we would drive up that thing you know to get to 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 get to skyline and you know skyline has its difficult days yes it does you're like, oh God, get me through this day, please. So what is that one song that motivates you that you're just like, all right, let me hype myself up right quick. Yes, I was thinking about this because I, I knew this was coming because I've been listening to some episodes and I love Mary J. Blige. She's, okay. I think she's such a motivating artist. And I mean, she's got a lot of really sad songs, but for yeah. motivation, I would say Family Affair. Um, I love that song um, that came out when I was in college. And um, I just remember it's not only is it motivating, but it's just like such a great video. Like she probably wears about 10 different wigs throughout the course of like two <laughs> minutes. And so like, it's just really fun. And, um, and it just like, sometimes to get motivated, I just need to kind of laugh and, you know, have something that not, that's not too serious. Right. Um, yeah. So I would go to Mary J. Blige for motivation. Man. I, I mean, I do love family affair, but as soon as you say, Mary J. Blige. I just think of like real love. Yes, yes. That that's <laughs> definitely that's definitely motivation too, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Jamie. I really You're appreciate welcome, it. Christina. We really Yeah, this is an awesome podcast. I like I like learned so much from it today and the last few days when I've been like checking it out and um yeah, it's like I've, I've been sharing it with people at this conference that I'm at already. I'm like, oh, okay, oh, for sure. thank, you, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm really honored to have gotten to be here and, and speak with you today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Empowered Conversations Pod. Check out our content and engage in a conversation with us through the comments or DMs. Also, 
please help us grow and share this with your friends, colleagues, as well as post on your social media. We look forward to next time. Take it easy.